I think the biggest lesson I've learned from running is, is what I learned this spring with, with getting injured and learning that this, you know, this thing, this, this activity that's become so much a part of my, my friendships, my, you know, relationship with other people, the, you know, the spiritual practice I have. One of my biggest fears as a result has been not being able to not, not having that. And what I learned this spring really was that, that running has actually been preparing me to not have it someday. And I think that's the most profound lesson I've been learning along the way is that it's at some point it's, it's not going to be there anymore. And right. so and how is it something. changing me along the way? And right. I think that's really kind of like where we start getting into like the transcendence. That is Sam Anderson and Iman Smith. I am Chris Chavez. And on behalf of my co-host Leanne Sherrick, Welcome to episode 29 of the Runners of NYC podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. First off, it's almost 2020, and that means a lot of you are planning your race calendars for next year. We want anybody and everybody to make sure that you reserve a weekend for a Ragnar Relay. Ragnar has more than 30 overnight races across the country in some gorgeous venues in amazing towns like the trails of Tahoe, Rainier, and the Appalachian Mountains the seaside towns of Cape Cod and the Pacific Northwest. And you've also got a couple of them close to home on the beautiful shores of Wawayanda Lake State Park. So whether your preference is road or trail, Ragnar's got you covered. And if you're running Boston or the New York City Marathon next year, Ragnar can be a great way to get your miles in and part of your training program. And it's way more fun than a simple long run through the city. At a Road Ragnar, you and your teammates run three different legs, and they're usually between three and ten miles, and you're on your way to completing a 200-ish mile journey. At a Trail Ragnar, you and your team will run three different loops, and those are usually between three and eight miles, and they take place throughout all hours of the day and night. Sleeping is optional. So to learn more about Ragnar relays, the different relay formats, and to see where Ragnar has races in 2020, visit www.runragnar.com slash runners of NYC. Registration is open for almost all 2020 races, and listeners of this podcast can take $100 off any overnight relay in 2020 by using RunNYC at checkout. That's RunNYC, one word, for $100 off your Ragnar team. Before we get to today's show, a quick thank you from Leanne and I to all our listeners who follow us on social media. We also appreciate it when you share the show on your Instagram stories. So when you're on the subway or on a run, take a quick second to shout us out. It helps new people discover the show by showing them what you're listening to. Uh, We are at Runners of NYC on Instagram and Twitter, so keep that up. And if you want to show your support for us by rocking our new swag, we have hoodies, crewnecks, t-shirts, and more over at SidiousMag.com, and all you have to do is hit that merch tab. Our guests for today's show are two members of Black Roses NYC. It's Sam Anderson and Iman Smith. We've been looking forward to this episode for almost a year since the first time I reached out to Sam, and we finally took the time to make it happen. Sam is the Wine and Beverage Director at Wild Air and Contra in the Lower East Side. You may recognize him from the May 2018 cover of Runner's World, where he opened up about his life and how he turned it around from a life of partying that included lots of drinking and drugs to a life of running and mindfulness for the better. Iman Smith is a creative director 
who serves as a run coach in the city. And back in September, he was hit by a car. So his plans to run the New York City Marathon were in jeopardy. And then Iman and Sam decided to run the New York City Marathon together just a few weeks ago. And hearing them recount their experience in this episode is really what teammates are all about. So we unpack a lot. It's personally one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. So if you hear a little bit of wine glasses clanking, it's because we were sitting in Contra and Sam was super welcoming. Plus, we wanted to make it feel like you were there with us enjoying some wine. So without further ado, here is Sam Anderson and Amon Smith. We are coming to you live from Contra. Uh, Sam and Amon, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. having You're us, welcome. man. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. So I guess, like, Sam, can you paint the picture for our listeners as to where we are right now? Because this is arguably the coolest place that we've taped a podcast so far. <laughs> Um, well, you're in one of the restaurants that I'm the beverage director at. Um, this is Contra, which is our tasting menu-driven restaurant. We do wine pairings here. We have a Michelin star. Um, it's definitely one of the, I think, one of the foundational restaurants in New York City for what we call natural wine as well. Um, and then next door is our kind of a little bit more of a run-and-gun free-form restaurant called Wild Air, which is more or less a, a wine bar with food, if you want to kind of think about it that way. And so what's your role entail on a day-to-day basis? I mean, I'm tasting wine at very early hours, like earlier hours than most people are drinking wine or tasting wine. Um, and then I'm doing administrative work throughout the afternoon, and then I'm on the floor of the restaurants for most of the evening. So six to 10 or so. Um, and basically I'm just trying to find wine soulmates for people. This sounds and so much fun. <laughs> yeah. I know I was going to say, it sounds fun. I think we're going to get into a lot of your background later, but I think first we want to say you're both coming off the New York city marathon last weekend. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you so much. That Thank you. Awesome so I know, ride. yeah, I know Sam that you ran Berlin and you have Philly coming up. So mm-hmm. this was just another marathon for you, but Amon, this was a big goal race and it was kind of a comeback. So what was the dynamic like last weekend? Um, I'd have to say coming into the weekend or at least the marathon, um, being cleared about three weeks ago, the doctors were basically saying like, you know, you're not going to be able to run for people that don't follow me or that don't know. Um, September 5th, I was hit by a car and um, lawsuit going on. So I can't talk too much about it, but I was hit by a car. Um, so the doctor said, basically said I would be out. So I had two options at that present time to say either, okay, I'm not going to run or say I'm going to get better. So I chose to internally say I was going to get better. So fast forward, um, we get to the start line and like me and Sam are looking at each other and I'm like, well, what's up? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm cruising today. And I was like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, we, this was, I think for me, this was the first race, and Sam can probably um, attest to this as well. Being on Black Roses, when we race, we kind of race. You know, it's not like we're pacing each other or teamed up. It's like yeah. if, if we happen to see each other at the line, we'll get out and then we'll get after it. But this race was a little different because Sam has Philly coming up. 
just got off of Berlin. I'm kind of coming off an injury, so I really didn't expect to do as well as I wanted to. Only it was just more like let's go out and see what happens. So when we got out, we were going. We had a pretty nice groove, um, I'd say, and it was really a beautiful experience because I just never expected to run with anyone. Yeah, and, you know, and Sam can kind of you know fill in. You know, it's as at. You didn't need a pacer. I mean, <laughs> right. it wasn't yeah. like that. Yeah. It was, it was like, I mean, for me, it was about solidarity. And, you know, I, 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 after running eight marathons now, like, I find that the more I experience with someone else, the more it kind of resonates with me. And I'm, like, less stuck in my head and self-obsessed. And that's a really liberating place to be and I feel like I enjoy the experience a lot more when I just am cruising with someone else yeah definitely which is you know I mean Berlin was kind of strange in that it was my PR to this point but I don't remember much of it and it was I was was so locked in and like it was over and it just feels like a a wet blur at this point and I think that's that's a very specific place to be mentally, but Sunday, this past Sunday was like oh. the release, the exact opposite of that, where Completely. like it was just it was all love the whole way, you know. Yeah. And <clears throat> I mean, I think that as we, you know, if you've raced a marathon, as Sam said, like you kind of black out a little bit, you get through it, and you're like, well, what happened? You know, did I hit the time? Oh, cool, I did. Well, this was like we really got to experience the marathon and I think it being the New York City marathon like every year that's for most people it should be their goal race if they live in New York (laughs) Um, but it's like my goal race although it's like a hard marathon it's the most amazing course known to man and I mean I think the crowd is amazing and we had like a great day it was like a great day for marathoning that day the weather was perfect the crowd was amazing um, but just getting, I'd say like around mile 10, I got like caught up. Like I started hyperventilating tears are coming out of my eyes. I'm like, Sam, I got to pull over. man. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? Like, like well, wait, 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 wait. And I, and I think I just started, you know, really feeling like the energy of like my mom telling me, Hey, this is like what you do. Like you're a marathon runner. I really didn't get it, but now I get it. Like you get hit by a car and you still go run a marathon when they basically tell you you need to chill out, but you got yourself better enough to go do it. So it was that connection that me and Sam had as well because, like, Sam is around. You know, he comes to practice when he can, but this is a busy gentleman here. So for us to kind of share that moment and rarely get to see each other, but see each other enough to go, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. And it was just, like, it was beautiful. And the photos, like, the photos were amazing. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, like... Like every picture, we're like side by side, stride for stride, and it was just like a great experience to have him there with me. That's super cool. I always, I think we, one of the conversations we were having throughout the race, I mean, as we were like cruising down Bedford Avenue, I specifically remember having a very singular epiphany that the marathon experience, especially in New York, is this moment where you know for the four or five three four or five hours however long people are out there and however long people are spectating it's this very small window of time where I think a lot of our inhibitions and a lot of the 
I think a lot of our, like what we hold in towards one another as humans, like it's a, it's like a, it's a free for all to feel exactly how you're feeling and for it to be on full display widescreen. Right. right. Both as for, you know, for runners and for spectators. And I think that that's, that's the first time I really kind of put words to it this year. And it's, this was the fifth time I've ran that race. And it was just like, it really hit me in the head that, that that's sort of what is so magical about the New York marathon in particular right, right. is that like, there's, there's no hold, no one's holding back, you know, emotionally toward one another. Yeah. We were, there's this, I think what made me think that was there was this point where we were going past this housing project on, I think it was like, Bedford Avenue yeah, just yeah. before Borough Park and there was this young single mom with like I think it was like a she yeah. had like a baby and it was like a very you know and we, we went by and, and, and she was she was just like looked at us and without we don't know any we don't know either of us we're never going to see each other again this she just went so quick too. yeah and she just went I believe in y'all and yes. I almost lost it yeah, yeah. And cause yeah. who, when's the last time someone said that to you? And when's the last time a perfect stranger has said that to you? Right. Usually it's like a parent or someone oh, you know. Honking yeah. at you or, or, or you're, you know, how we relate to one another yeah. as perfect strangers. Like we're either honking our horns at each other, flipping up. each other off. Yeah. Or, you know, like judging them. Judging. Yeah. yeah. And like that was a very special moment, I think. And I, I think also, um, just I remember the kid was like, man, he has a lot of tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was the same. It was the kid and then the mom. Yeah, they had a lot to say. Um, was, he, he may never forget you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like when you think about it, if you get a chance to really see faces when you're doing this marathon thing. Yeah. You really it's it's really big. It's big when, when a young girl sees you like coming through. She's like, yo, I want to be like her. I don't know this lady's name, but they like you make that eye contact and they go, oh, wow. Like, yeah. That's the other thing that I feel like as we're runners, but that stage makes us like the biggest athletes known to man for like the lay person, people mm-hmm. that don't yeah. know what the marathon is or someone just walking up and going, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. It's like- yeah. They look good. Look at that guy with the purple on. Oh, <laughs> look at his shoes. Like it's just it's an amazing feeling that we get to give, but we also get it back. It's really it's a, it's a crazy energy exchange if you really work in energy. Yeah. It's like an yeah. amazing amazing feeling and and like when I pulled over it's some like whack song was on. <laughs> it was like the Black Eyed Peas It was or the Black Eyed Peas. And I'm like, yo, what is going Amon on? just was just like, <laughs> like, like I was, crocodile tears. <laughs> like, like I was literally out of it. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Get it together. Mile 10. You're good to go. And it's just that outpour of like community. And I think the bigger thing for me as well is that I usually post a lot on Instagram. So like I didn't post at all that I was running. So the shock on certain people's faces, it made me feel good because they were like, oh, what? Like you're running? You ran? Okay, good. All right. I got to do something now. now. Now, if you got up and did that, I can get up and go 
do whatever I'm going to do, you know? So it was just a, uh, an amazing feeling to um, be back out there. And the love, too. Like, you don't really get to understand how much people that don't know you care about you until you run a marathon, you know? And they're like, oh, my God, way to go. I'm so glad to see you. Like, this was the first time I stopped and hugged people. Because usually you're like, if you race, you race. And it's you against the clock. You really don't think about people. You think about getting your sauce, you know, your Morden or your Noon or your Gatorade or whatever, and your feet are going, and you're looking at that watch every 10K or every 5K. Um, so step by step the entire way? I'd have to yeah, say, pretty, pretty close. I tried to get, I tried to get him to leave me a couple times, <laughs> and, and he wouldn't. And then crossing the finish line, did you? Were you guys both next to each other? And so, what did you guys say to each other immediately? Oh man, I just hugged him and said, "Man, I love you, bro." Yeah, like, same. Like, like, thank you, man. Like, you know, just thank you for being there. Because the back half of the race, like, I can't even lie, I was really chopped because I was super dehydrated. So, I mean, to be fair, Amon hadn't ran at all right. since yeah. the accident. And, I mean, he tore several muscles in his leg and was on crutches like three months ago. Yeah. I mean, I messaged him right after the accident, and he was just like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Like, all right, well... <laughs> Because, I mean, we've been kind of planning to, like... Yeah, to run. Run, mm -hmm. like, to race... New York together, like back in the, in the spring. spring yeah. yeah, early spring. We had so decided. that's sort of the backstory of like why I stuck around. Mm -hmm. it was not it wasn't because he needed me or anything. That was just like solidarity to what we talked about earlier in the spring, like right. after Boston. So <clears throat> that was, you know, the motivation for that. Also, like, like I said, I just feel like I get more out of it sometimes when when there's less of a egotistical reason for racing you know which mm -hmm. i think i think races if you have to happen to be an egotistical person like they can be they're very dangerous i think um <clears throat> just in the sense of of how wrapped up we can become and in, in, in what what i what me 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 what mm -hmm. i'm doing like my splits like i'm sure we can all like yeah attest mm -hmm. to how obsessive people are about their race and you know, at the end of the day, it's a personal record, right? It's for you. And I think it's good to mix it up and to not have that pressure. egotistical yeah. reasons for racing. And I, I think that's even with us, like me looking back, I think that was one of the bigger things that I took away from the entire marathon. It was my third New York City. <clears throat> and... As, I, as we say, you know, you're so used to like, I got to hit this time and I'm racing and this is it. And you really forget about why you really love to run or why those people that don't know you are going to be there for five hours, like cheering everybody on, you know, from the beginning to the end. So you're really kind of giving back. At least for me, I was like, you know what, if I run this race, I'm going to hug people. I'm going to give high fives. I'm going to like... I'm I haven't stop. touched so many people in my life. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh come on, man! Yeah. Like I've never, like never. This is my seventh marathon. I've I've never given a high five. So <laughs> like it's like high five. Like okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's energy expulsion. I can You can't get that energy. I got to keep it. Um. So it's super calculated. So to be able to give back, like in an emotional level, it was very spiritual too. I would say because just dealing in that space the entire time, like man, like you know, Sam said, I had I really hadn't run. A step. Like, okay, so basically what happened, I got cleared three weeks ago, and I said, all right, well, if I'm going to run the marathon, I got to run 12 miles. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, <laughs> but I said, if I run the last 12 miles of the marathon, and I have zero pain, and I'm okay, I can go run. So I went out, I'm going to do five miles, this is it, don't you do more than that. 
I did five miles. It ended up at 125th Street. And I was like, well, <laughs> oh boy. here's the bridge. If I go over and come back around, I can make it back to my house in about 40 minutes if I take my time. <laughs> so I just, you know, I really jogged it out and pulled off the 12 miles, got to Engineer's Gate and was like, okay, you can do this. Didn't run again until Sunday. Wow. So it was like a 12-mile run, two Saturdays before the marathon, and that was it. That's incredible. Um, Amon, you mentioned, I guess, like sometimes in a race you can forget the reasons why you started running in the first place. So to kind of, I guess, get into both of your backgrounds, I guess, we'll, we'll start off with, <coughs> with Sam and, and then we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to you. But, you know, what I love about kind of like the conversations that we have on this podcast is sometimes there are people who listen to the stories of the guests that we have and they learn something about you know people that they see all the time or that they've run with a couple times so if you have any questions for sam as well you're more than welcome to just <laughs> oh, yeah, jump definitely. in and, and, and like follow up um and the same goes for you sam but um i guess a lot of people your story came to the public eye maybe when it was when you were on the cover of runner's world and yeah. that was just a, a couple years ago and it was last May last year. Okay. It yeah. feels, it feels like a while ago, yeah. but, uh, so I think that story goes back, to, I think nine years or so. And around 2010 is really when it starts to kind of pick up and tells where running really changed for you. But I, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Where mm-hmm. does your story start? Um, I think, well, my running story starts when I was about probably 13 or so, I was raised in a cult. Um, so I was pretty cut off from civilization in the sense of like ideas. And I mean, I, I lived in a normal neighborhood and everything, but like <clears throat> we didn't have much access to information. You know, there was like five or six, you know, cult meetings every week. I lived in a sort of communal. Where was this? It was. Uh, based in California, but mm-hmm. my family was very, very involved, and so we moved around a lot. I probably, I think I, I think my parents have lived in 33, 34 different homes. I've lived wow. in a number of those, so um, it was a very, it was a doomsday, end of the world, fundamentalist Christian, very hardcore kind of existence. Um, so around 13, 14, I just started realizing that it likely was not going to be my path in life and in order to get space and to just have some time to think and breathe I started leaving my home late at night and going for like I would just go jogging around the neighborhood to just kind of like feel like I had my own brain Mm -hmm. and could do something on my own so running sort of became this started out as a reflexive way to just kind of activate freedom for, for myself. Fast forward to, I mean, I didn't, <clears throat> I ran track in middle school, but I played basketball in high school. So <clears throat> um, it wasn't really big, a big part of like a spiritual practice or anything like that when I was younger, but I spent my twenties in New York, basically. I mean, if, if you want to like a, just a picture of punk degenerate, substance abuser, you know, I, I worked in, in bars and nightclubs until, you know, six o'clock in the morning. Um, I was, you know, 
well-documented yeah. uh, chain smoker, you know, substance abuser, uh, many different types of substance, and um, <clears throat> really had no spiritual life, no physical practice at all. <clears throat> and then that changed, yeah, when I was I turned 32 and um, uh, again, running became something that like, I didn't know what else to do in order to change my life. It was sort of like when I was younger, where I was like, I don't know what to do in order to get freedom in my life, so I go out and I run. So it's interesting that it was mirrored again later in my life when <clears throat> um, I was trying to basically stop drinking you know, to a, an, an abusive point. I was trying to quit smoking. I smoked like, I tried everything, literally. Hypnotism, um, you know, cold turkey, the patch, you know, trying to stop using certain drugs as well. <clears throat> um, and I just, it literally was just one afternoon, I just like put some, a pair of vans on and like <laughs> went outside That's and it. ran three miles and almost died. Yeah. Yes. And, but what sort of crept in was this, this kind of like trade off of like what I was getting from probably endorphins and then also just like feeling a little more control over my addiction. And, um, from there, I mean, I, I think I signed up for the Staten Island half marathon and I, <laughs> I remember I smoked like four or five cigarettes before Nice. stashed a pack at the end and nice. probably a bottle of booze as well. And I ran seven thirty on it. It's awesome. Wow. And then I had like a couple cigarettes and <laughs> I, I was just, I remember just thinking to myself afterward, like, I mean, this is like, I was, I was a cocky motherfucker. Uh, as I was doing this, like I'm watching these people walk by just huffing and puffing. I'm sitting there with a bottle of, a bottle of like, vodka and, and cigarettes. a pack of cigarettes with like, and I finished ahead of you, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That was, that was the first race I ever did. Well, in the, in the article, I think they kind of described it as like hungover every day for oh, yeah. 12 years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I can't remember. I can't remember a day that I didn't drink from age 20 to 32. So what so, does that feel like? I, I, I know like sometimes people can go out and have a rough night and then the next morning, you know, you have that feeling like, I'm not going to do that again for like forever. But, and then you're back at it a couple days later, but to do this every day after 12 years, it feels like utter despair. That's what it feels like. I don't know how else to put it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and just not knowing how to even function with outside of this binary of, of me and this substance and, or these substances, I should say, um, I think that's the thing that's been so incredible about having this practice now is that like I I can I can moderate now, mm -hmm. which I wasn't able to ever moderate before. Um, and running's been a huge part of learning how to have a moderation with life, because my life has been pretty extreme in a lot of different ways. So. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's important because I think a lot of people can feel stuck in a certain way. And I think it's nice to hear that you didn't have some like come to Jesus moment where it's like all of a sudden I'm just going to quit drinking and quit smoking cigarettes and I'm only going to run. And no, this not is at it. All, yeah. So it was a very like you worked hard at it. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got better and it was really changing your habits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, changing habits. I mean, 
It's it's really it's a tough it's, it's a, a tough grind when you got to change your habits. There's no shortcut, and I mean, you know, I I think that people can kind of see the end result in a way, and 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 get frustrated by hearing maybe parts of my story that are, I don't know, the more I don't want to. I mean, it's it's, it's more like the. This, the the stark the stark contrast between like what it was and right. what I am now and I'm like you know shooting for like 246 on Philly and like wow that's amazing how in the world you know it's like no actually it's been a very long arduous oh yeah time consuming uh, build for uh, just working on yourself every day and trying to be a better human and um, I mean there's I mean yeah. So I mean, you mentioned, I guess, just building. <clears throat> when did you feel like you had a good foundation to start building up toward? To just like, I guess, finally move ahead in, I guess, in running and and in life when things took a turn for the better. Um, <clears throat> I think. I think the first marathon was a really, you know, I mean, it was obviously a threshold, a really big threshold that I think we all cross over and it's very empowering. And I think that, I mean, that was a, a big, a big step forward for me was being like, wow, you know, I, I did that. And I mean, I have bib tattooed on my fingers. It's kind of right. hilarious, but, um, but that's cool though. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that that opened, that was a definitely like a, a gateway, the first marathon to 2014. 14? New York City? That was the wind year. The cold one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was my first New York. 35 mile an hour headwind. (laughs) Verrazano. And... You, yeah, you felt like you were going to blow off that bridge and then oh, yeah. it got colder. I didn't even... I don't think I even had, like, enough, like, throwaway clothes at the beginning. I was just already almost hypothermic, I would say, from the start. <laughs> I was, when we were on Pulaski, and I think one of the cool things about running with someone else and, and being, being able to just kind of, like, share your thoughts as you're going, I was telling Amon when we got onto Pulaski, I remember running Pulaski for the very first time. Yeah, and it's, it's, me. it's not only just the strange, the oniric dream-like mm-hmm. quality of running on a freeway <laughs> where there's no cars, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with the New York, Marath- or New York City half. Right. When it's on FDR, you're just like, this feels like Hollywood, you know? <laughs> right. But um, that year was so windy. It was like 35 mile an hour headwind. And I think they'd been doing some construction at the base of the bridge. And it was just all this like, like sand that oh. just basically like got picked up and lashed Oof. onto Oof. everyone as, as you were kind of, and I remember just like, kind of recounting that as we were going over the bridge and just being like, wow. It's not that day. It's not <laughs> yeah. that day, yeah. But I remember that day. Yeah. yeah. Did you enter a lottery or how did you end up signing up for that first marathon? And New York's always tough and I think at that point it might have still been like the three strikes and you're finally in. Oh, um, yeah, you know, that's, I, I basically, um, I did the nine plus one thing and at the point that I decided to do that, I think it was like late August, early September, something like that. I was like, oh, nine plus one, cool. And then I looked at the race calendar and there was exactly nine races <laughs> left. And then the final volunteer mm-hmm. thing was fell on New Year's Eve, which is oh, like the, the, the midnight, yeah. the midnight yeah. three miler in, near, in, in, oh, in Central Park or something like cold. that. <laughs> super cold. And I remember being up there 
and I mean, it was like five degrees outside. People are out, you know, they're going to this, this race and I'm the baggage person. So I got to like <laughs> wait for them to all finish. And I remember I had to, I had to pee and I went to a porta potty and literally like I'm in, the, I'm in the porta potty just like trying to just stay out of the cold. And I hear the, the, the countdown for New Year's Eve go off and like literally <laughs> I'm standing, I'm standing in a porta potty doing my business as New Year's Eve is like Going dawning <laughs> and I just started laughing my ass off because I was just like, well, this is what it, this is, this is rock bottom right here. <laughs> but know? in such a different way. In a different New way. New Year's right. Eve is like a traditional party yeah. night. So instead of maybe where you come from, now you're yeah. spending New Year's Eve. I know. It felt with great. The runners. It felt great. Yeah. And then you're um, in the night and you're like, well, now I have to do a marathon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, I think I think also that that following summer is when I started doing like the first serious training mm-hmm. or not I wouldn't even qualify it as serious at this point but it's when I met like the OSR I met Joe Donoto I met some of the people who are really good friends of mine now like Sarah Gearhart and I met Knox and Jesse and Lee and you know just like I just met this group of people who I shared a lot in common with in terms of And what'd you make of you know all those people on in your first impression what in, what impression did they make on me yeah um i felt like i kind of found i mean i'm a pretty i'm a pretty you know i'm a pretty solitary person like i mean i think it's because of how surrounded i am with people all the time at mm-hmm. work so I, I definitely need like i'm a social person but you know um but i did find that like people it was it was easy, it was an easy uh, way, to, you know, when you when you have running as some as what's shared. Like I think there's this understanding of, of shared kind of like values that you don't always get on like on the straight up like mm-hmm. with with most relationships, you know. Right, and then that first summer of training, like what, what were you making of it? Um, I don't. I just was. I think I was it was just so painful. <laughs> I mean, I was running like maybe 40 miles a week and I mean, I was, I was dying. I was laughing. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. Right. Remember it's those days. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you were aware enough at the time to realize that like your self-destructive habits had now transitioned into, you know, that you were kind of taking on this healthier way of, I don't want to say it like an addiction, but it's like where all your energy was in this one thing before and now it wasn't running. Do you think you were mentally aware at that time that the change was actually happening? I mean, that first marathon I trained for, I was still having a lot of trouble. Um, I was still drinking the same amount. Um, I mean, and I think that's what's actually even more kind of like crazy about that first. I mean, I ran 305 in that first I mean, 305 probably, I mean, it probably was 10 minutes slower than yeah. it could have been. It was cold been. in the course, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the wind itself was, I mean, it stopped yeah. a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I was, I hadn't, I wouldn't, I hadn't really learned much about moderation at that point. Um, so, I mean, I was drinking, I was still drinking the same amount then. Um, what's really changed over time is that I've, like, really, like, Running has removed a lot of the fear in my life for a, of a of like running has basically a, taken away a lot of the reasons why I drank 
excessively. And that was based in fear. Like, who am I going to be without this substance? How am I going to, am I going to be happy with who I am without, uh, am I going to be happy with who I am without this substance, you know, without, and so I think what, what running has been has been this, um, like over time I've learned that it's, it's, uh, that I actually, I really do love who I am and I can exist without it and I can exist with it too. And, um, running's been a big reason why that fear is much reduced, much so mm -hmm. reduced now. Yeah. Because I remember also reading that like you'd be out until 3 a.m. and then at an 8 a.m. race. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, how I, I remember, yeah, like just how, 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 Badly, did some of those races go, or, or did they surprisingly go well? I mean, I usually would barely make it to the start, <laughs> and I mean, like I would be still drunk, yeah, and be like doing like the Poland, Poland, <laughs> Poland water, Poland <laughs> like five marathon kickoff or whatever, <laughs> like four miler, and just like yeah. barely finishing, like you know, I mean, it was brutal. So when did that take it? When did a, you? start showing up to races, I think, more relaxed and seriously, you know, taking, getting your rest beforehand. I can't locate, like, one yeah. time, one place or one time. I think, like, I took a, I took a year off of drinking, period. Um, and that was a really big thing for me. And that's when I started getting closer. That's when running started to become more of a spiritual practice for me, which is probably about five years ago. Um, and when I started to, like, understand that, um, that this was, you know, coming from a very coming from a spiritual background I've always but but n I have never filled it properly mm -hmm. since I was a young from, since I was a kid Can understand like being that. being raised like yeah. to to like you know believe in in Jesus return and like that that the bible is literally like Moses part of the red sea and Jesus is going to come out of the sky and take me home and like five six you know church services a week and like being out on the street corner shouting at people you know I didn't want to replace that. Like I, I did have like a place for spirituality in my, my heart, but I didn't figure out how to replace that until I took that year off because then basically substance abuse was my spiritual practice. Mm -hmm, right? right. So when I took that year off from drinking at all and, and I obviously quit smoking a long time ago and stopped using drugs too. So, um, I think that that was a really key cause that's when I started meditating. I started, practicing Ashtanga yoga and running and it just started all kind of clicking into like more of a, a practice. And <clears throat> that's what it is for me these days. Amon, you were agreeing with a lot of that. I mean, why does, why does some of that like resonate with you? I mean, I'd have to say, I mean, spiritually, um, I grew up, uh, in like down South Baptist church. So there's a lot of hooping and hollering going on. Um, having to be like you have to go to Sunday school you have to go to church um so being in the south growing up in the south and growing up in church I can kind of it's, it's kind of cultish but not really <laughs> they just don't call it a cult but it's a very um have to part of the culture so growing up as a kid um you know it's it's almost like you're um you're told certain things like you have to do these things and when you come up in that, you don't really get to understand why. So you get told, like, Jesus this, the Bible that. But then when you get older and you start to kind of decipher and read things and understand religion versus spirituality, 
then you get to start breaking down what man's use of religion is versus your connection to your soul and your spirit. So certain physical activities allow us to be more connected to ourselves, running being one of them. Um, marathoners are crazy. You know, it's, 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 that's literally, it's a truth. If you run one, that's awesome. If you, if you run more than one, you got a problem. <laughs> and, and the problem is not a bad problem. It's you, you like to push yourself. This, what got me into marathoning was that, to kind of go back, in 2015, I worked the marathon convention for Abbott um, as a brand ambassador. Mm -hmm. So pre-running, all I did was smoke a lot of weed <laughs> and kick it, you know, fashion business. I was in the fashion business, so I got like 15 years in fashion. So weed, parties, a little bit of alcohol, very minor physical fitness, but staying fit. Um, fast forward, I'm here, third day at the last day of the um, expo, and I see an old guy, he's like 80. He has this jacket, jean jacket with a ton of patches and pins and buttons and shit. And I'm like, it's a dope jacket, old man. Where you get that from? Was that Knox? <laughs> no, it was an old white dude. <laughs> and he was like, he said, I earned it. I said, what? So what do you mean you earned it? He's like, I earned it. He goes, these are all half marathons and marathons that I ran throughout the years. I said, they give you a patch for that? He was like, well, back in the day, they gave you a patch. He goes, but I got another jacket like this. I said, this jacket got like 150 plus patches on it. What's up? He goes, yeah, I started when I was 40. I said, what? He goes, yeah, I started when I was 40. He goes, but, you know, this is the last one. I said, oh, shit, he about to die. <laughs> Damn, he going to die. I said, what? what's wrong, you know? Now he got me. I'm in, I'm in it. Now I'm like, what, what, what happened? What's up? He goes, oh, no, my doctor just said, you know, I can't run anymore. He goes, you know, if I want to walk it, yeah, but I can't run it. I said, oh, man, that's awesome. So he didn't, then he says to me, well, have you ever run a marathon? I said, hell no, I'm black. <laughs> what you talking about? Like, we 100 meters, you know, 400. I know about that. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, he goes, black guys run it. He goes, you, you got to get out there and do it one day. He goes, you know, 1% of the population will run a marathon in their life. And I was like, I'm a numbers guy. So I was like, what? <laughs> no way. He goes, yeah, yeah, 1%. I said, that's some bullshit. I don't believe that. So then I went to Google. <laughs> and I started Googling like statistics. And I was like, yo, wow. A lot of people don't do this. Funny, uh, Sam brings up Knox. This was the year Knox was on the Runner's World cover. <laughs> so I'm looking up and I'm like, man, if I was going to do this, I want to do it with that dude. He looked like somebody, you know, that does it. I don't know. Fast forward, you know, I'm on roses. But, um... That whole experience made me like go, wow, like I need to do this thing. So when I got home, I told, I called my mom. I said, I think I'm going to do this marathon thing. She was like, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, you know, I went to this expo. They paid me $1,000 for three days to hand out bags. But people were running this marathon. And I'm, I got to go do it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run tomorrow. Let's sign up. And the, oh, well, you got to do nine plus one. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. It's just a race, bro. I'll give you some money. I go do this shit. That's it. And they're like, nah, nah, you got to sign up. You got to get in the Roadrunner Association. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Nobody told me this at the, at the expo. <laughs> Saw this red tape. He's like, well, you got you to gotta wait. I was like, a year? I was like, a whole year? I ain't got a year to wait. Let's do this now. Little did I know I needed a year. So 
get me some, you know, some raggedy running shoes. I had some Adidas. I didn't know what they were. Not, not, I mean, it was like not Shots running fired. shoes, you know. It was like Adidas ZX something. Or they were red. They were cool. I was like, all right, let me get these. And I was like, all right, you know, go run. So I went out and ran like, you know, like three, four miles. I said, you know, in the Army. I was in the Army. Cool. I can, I can go, you know. If I can do two miles, I'm going to be all right. So went on Google again. I was living in the Bronx at this time, so Cretona Park was right up the street from my house. So I was like, all right, well, you know, let me see the distance between my house and the park. It was like two and a half miles. So I said, okay, well, if I can run this a couple of times, you know, I, it'll get me in, in the ready for these races. So every day I started running this park like two miles. And I was like, well, now, like, I went to my old army records and said, okay, well, what did I do a mile in when I was 18? <laughs> Mind you, I'm 28 now. I was like 38. What kind of running did they have you do in the military? Um, the military was really um, organized. It was very organized running. You only did about, so we ran every day, but on Friday we had a company run. So they had like A group, B group, C group. And basically the A group, we would run about two, three miles. So basically like a 5K, roughly. So... I was like, you had in, like the you had to wear the pack and everything, right? No, nah, in the morning, no. Like it was more like PT. So you wake up, in the, so your regular army day when you get out of basic training kind of goes like this. You live in a barracks, which where, is like an apartment at uh, Fort Bragg. That was my first duty station. So uh, Veterans Day, big shout to all the veterans out there today. Um, so your regular duty station, you go to basic training and do that thing. That's nine weeks. Then you go to this thing called AIT, Advanced Individual Training. That's another like five to six, maybe 13 weeks, depending on your job. So you go to basic training, everybody's a soldier. AIT is where they give you your MOS or what your job is going to be. So whether you're in finance or in infantry or a nurse or a mechanic, you go to that school, then boom. After that, you get to your regular duty station. Once you get there, 6 o'clock every day, you line up in, in your company area. You do um, your exercises, your formation, you know, your PT formation, push-ups, sit-ups. And it's really like an old joke, but they say push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run. Um, you basically do a, a light workout and then you go run three to five miles and you come back and you like you do a push-up contest who can do the most so like the military is basically um, a pissing contest <laughs> the entire existence is com is physical competition and who's the best um, when I was in it's probably completely different now from what I've heard I've been out the army now for 18 years 19, 18 19 years <laughs> Drink to that. <laughs> but um, the running was very mild compared to training. But the pace was around, and group running was about like nine minutes. Mm -hmm. Nine minutes per mile, and you're singing cadence, and you got about 400, 300 to 400 people running in sync. Sounds like there's a market for, for actually teaching the military how to yeah. train. Yeah. Oh, probably You know what so. I mean? Like, well, they're not doing it the right way. Yeah, you know well, what I mean? think, well, the biggest thing, at least what I've seen in these recent um, months, they've changed the PT test to like this CrossFit style event where it used to just be like... Even pushing. worse. Yeah, like it's like, it's <laughs> way worse. So it's like, it's more functional, I would say, in a sense. Like if you really had to go to battle um, to pick up someone, to like mm -hmm. carry a certain amount of weight, push-ups and sit-ups and running two miles doesn't really dictate like if we're in a battle right now i could carry you somewhere you I know i trust you you know <laughs> um but so 
running has kind of been a part of my life since high school, ran track. And the distance thing came about with ultra marathoning, actually. That's how I got into running four years ago. Um, it kind of, like the first marathon I ran was a Brooklyn Marathon in Prospect Park. Oh, so you, you didn't end up doing the 9 plus 1? Yo, I did it. Oh, you did it. But I was like, I need to run a marathon. <laughs> so, so that was like, okay, I can't run New York City Marathon this year. No problem. There's this Brooklyn one. There's an app, the Nike app. It was great at the time. It said, go run three miles, then go run five miles, and then do push-ups, and then do some sit-ups and stretch. I was like, this is awesome. That's not really training for a marathon, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but you need a little bit more direction, I would say. But the first time um, was awesome. I think I ran like a struggly 358 and that was only because my girlfriend at the time was like you're not gonna run under four hours <laughs> and i was like i'll die <laughs> but i'm gonna do it <laughs> but um uh, oh, sorry. No, um the common theme that i found in all of your early running posts and i think it carries to today was that whenever you would post you would end it with who's running with me they're like are yeah. you running with me are you coming with me so yeah. it seems like even from all those years ago, you had this commitment to like get other people out there with you. You wanted other people to get motivated by what you were doing. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, I had just, until really getting in the run community, I ran by myself. And I was like, well, like I'm running in the Bronx. I'm not seeing anybody running. But then I would go downtown, and everybody's running. And it's like, well, what's the difference? Like, I crossed the bridge and everybody's running down here and I don't cross the bridge and no one's running. Um, so that was the bigger push for me to kind of get people in a community that didn't really understand running as an activity, but more as like a punishment. Because if you think about it, when you're in high school, mm -hmm. running is punishment. If Most urban, not even urban, most black kids play basketball and football and they don't tell you to go run. Right. So when you do got to run, it's you fucked up. Yeah, so you got to so, sprints. Yeah. You know, so, so you got to do sprints. You got to do scrimmage. Yeah, you yeah. got to do suicides. I hate using that word, but you got to yeah. do that. You know, running is not for enjoyment mm -hmm. or fun or exercise. And as I got into the running community, like my first experience was with Harlem Run. And I was like, all right, well, before I can go run with anybody, I got to be able to know I can hold my own. So that was like three months of me just kind of like running and feeling good about myself and getting up a confidence. So I was like, I can't go get smoked. You yeah. know, I'm a competitor at heart. And I was like, well, you know, I didn't know anything about it. So I'm like, if I go out there and there's some old lady beat me, I'm going to feel real bad. <laughs> and that was the truth. So I said, all right, well, you know, what's the... Where, where do I fit in? What's this thing? I said, well, let me go. These Hall and Run people look like I can go there and, and, and get a little idea about what's happening. So hopped in, and it was cool. And I was like, all right, this is nice. Not for me, though, because I'm a little bit, I do drugs and stuff and smoke weed and stuff. This is a little different group. Cool. Bridge runners. Let me go see what these guys are about. They're the, they're the best group in, in the city. They run bridges and they're tough and they run in the winter. You know, when, like if you're looking at this thing, not knowing anybody, because I don't know anybody yet. I'm just looking at this from Instagram. Like who are these people and what do they do? Cool. Go run with bridge runners. I'm like, yo, this is really awesome. Yes, this I'm home. This is the group of people I need to run with. But I'm getting home late. They like to hang out. <laughs> and I got to be responsible. Love them, but I got to go. And it was like a trek from the Bronx to downtown. I'm like, all right, this isn't going to work. 
Um, so did that for a little while and then um, doing the ultra marathon thing and Knox, like, you know, me and Knox kind of crossed paths and Rose's, you know, he was like, yo, come out and, you know, see what is, if you like it. In the middle of that happening, me and Miguel started Milestyle. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back downtown. And once I moved back to the city, Miguel took Milestyle and, like, they just really ran with it. And I was so happy to see, like, this year running into the Bronx and it being fucking awesome. Where were they again? They um, were. Um, Milestyle, we were meeting at uh, Park Chester. No, where, where were they on the course? They were on, oh, on the right, course. 20. So right, so, right, as soon as we came over the bridge, remember when I pulled over? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, right, yeah, right yeah. Under, So, like, yeah. the whole, like, from the beginning coming over the Willis Avenue Bridge all the way yeah. through 20. You know, it's three run. Come on, was ugh, held up for a yeah. while. Yeah, it was a minute. I was like, <laughs> it was a minute. <laughs> Literally, like probably like a minute or two minutes. Um, but it was amazing to see four years ago that that strip was like like a little Mexican family, mm-hmm. like giving out uh, espresso and rubbing people down with icy hot and mm-hmm. Coca, giving out Coca Cola. To now, there's the biofreeze lane. There's this jumbotron thing. There's like running crews from the Bronx, and that was because you know we, as a group of people, individually were doing things and said, "Yo, we got to come to kind of pull this thing together." So it's funny that you even bring that up. You guys did your research because I forgot about that. But um, that was like my thing. I was like, you know, who's running with me? Like I need, like I need you guys. Like I need people to like come out, you know, and do this thing because if I can do it. And I know it, it might be threatening and you might not feel comfortable, but, yo, I'm doing it. So come on, let's go. We can do this. Sam, how did you find your place, I think, within, like, the running community? Because, I mean, just like Amon said, there's so many, you know, crews that have popped up since, you know, I guess, like, the, I, the Instagram boom, I would say. But what made you, I guess, like, stick with, with, with this group after? I mean, you said you started off with some of the OSR runs and... I know the appeal of some of those is just like how intense the running is. Like, we were just talking Tuesdays. about that. Yeah. <laughs> Intimidating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out where my place is in the run community, quite honestly. Um, you created it. No. <laughs> it's your own <laughs> space. <laughs> it is. You're, I love He's a comedian too. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I, 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 Quite honestly, like I, I love running alone, mostly. Um, it feels the most kind of feels the most pure to me. Um, I, I tend to. That's I, I, probably my favorite part of the day is just like having that much open space um, for my thoughts. And um, but that said, um, you know, I think training with with other people is for me, it's like something I kind of have to force myself to do. I mean, Amon knows like I'm like the, the shadow. Oh yeah. I'm like the shadow member of black roses. It's like, everyone's just like, wow, he showed up. (laughs) But I also, I give everything I can when I'm, when I'm present too. So like, um, I, I also, you know, I work five nights a week. So Mm -hmm. a lot of these activities are, a lot of these group runs are taking place at night. That was actually the reason I don't run with OSR anymore is because it's it's just, you know, it's Tuesday nights and <clears throat> um I, I just I can't really do it. But um I think that it's something I've been working on is like being as being more connected, I think. Mm-hmm. Um 
and being connected in ways that are maybe not the, the typical meet for the shakeout run or meet for the, the workout night, but being connected like oh, how man. we were on Sunday, oh. you know, like, or, or Brooklyn half. So like Sam, you know, as he says, he, oh, yeah, yeah. so Sam <laughs> doesn't come around a lot, we, but we see him, but backstory. So last year it was either at a shakeout or something. And I'm like, and I just see like this, like this figure kind of like make eye contact with me, but then briefly go, I was like, oh shit, there was Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, so I'm like, I'm scurrying through people. I'm like, I'm like, Sam, what's up? Are you moving through here like Senator Palpatine, man? What's going on? <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know, I'm just in and out. You know, just nobody needs to Don't see me. Don't tell anyone I'm here. <laughs> no, literally, like, like, I'm just in and out. I'm kind of that way. And yeah. I'm like, all right, cool, you know? So Brooklyn half this year, coming off injury, like, um, from Boston. I got hurt prior prior to Boston. So Brooklyn half, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Feeling good. This year was full of injury for me, which we kind of all go through. Um, and I think that was a big thing spiritually having to kind of like tap into another place and go you got to deal with these like small infractions these little injuries that you're having but um so feeling good we're running I'm like okay cool Morton's at mile six <laughs> all right you, you can get there Sam got the this this there you're gonna be all right so I'm cool I'm struggling in my mind I'm like all right yes here we go so I'm running up and I'm like it's in cups I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what the fuck is this I'm like all right cool and I'm like, what's that red stuff? I'm like, I'm like, I'm like this. What? Hold on, wait, 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 wait. But as as we all know, when you're racing, like you're thinking everything so fast. You're like, okay, well, when this, when I get this, I just gotta drink it. So like, I'm like, what is this stuff? I see a red thing in the cup. I'm like, is this Gatorade? Is it Morton? What is it? So I literally stop <laughs> because we got the pink kit on. I'm like, this might spill on my kit. Oh my I can't get it dirty. No way. So I pull over. I smell it. I'm like, all right, cool. What smells good? And like, literally, I just drink it. I'm like, wow, like this is amazing. <laughs> drink it. Throw the cup down. I run off. Race is done. I run. Uh, you know, 129. I'm like, all right, cool. I can train. 129. I came in right under my time. I have a Perfect. photo of this moment <laughs> that that Iman is describing. It, he. It, the photo, the photo says everything describe, describe in my the photo face. for the listeners. So there's a photo of Iman with the cup. So, <laughs> so as you know, Martin is uh, is 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 um, the fuel that a lot of us are using now, mm-hmm. and it's clear, right? And yeah. you have to have people like hand you the bottles, and um, we're spoiled nowadays. Yeah, yeah, spoiled. yeah, yeah, yeah of course, have, of like, course, a, a of course. line of people, you know, just handing, handing out drinks, gels, yeah. and you know, but um, for for Brooklyn Half, I kind of took it into my own hands to kind of mix something special up for the crew and um i'm very into uh very into botanicals and adaptogenic ingredients it's you know i i work in this space quite Mm -hmm. a bit with with the beverage program so i came up with something that i thought would be fun for that day it was more just like fun really yeah but um this photo is it's iman in his in his brand, in his in his fresh kit, looking very confused. Oh. And he's he's looking at this cup as it goes by, and there's just like like mag- fuchsia liquid <laughs> flying out of the cup, and he's got his pinky out, trying to <laughs> trying to decide whether he's gonna actually take the cup of Martin or not. And I'm certain as well he's thinking about 
this is going to get on my fly prints. <laughs> yes. This is, this is going to be all over my fly thought. prints. I was like, this is going to be on my kit. Everything. It's, it was, it's hilarious. How'd it taste? You said it, it was, was amazing. Yeah. Like it, and what was in it, Sam? Um, so I can't remember exactly, but I, uh, there it's was proprietary, Chris. <laughs> proprietary. Yeah, no, um, there, there was, um, it was a, there was, uh, hibiscus. There was rose. There was, uh, Arjuna, ashwagandha and rhodiola so you know if you take all of that regularly oh like the, the properties <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'm working on something a little bit like in the future that will be more of a personal kind of project but it, you know I'm, I'm very interested in uh not just interest, interested but i'm a big believer in the way that um some of these ingredients are are you know potentially um, major hacks for the endurance athlete. Mm-hmm. So biohack. Yeah, bi- biohacks for the endurance, endurance athlete. So I'm, I'm working on something um, forthcoming, details forthcoming on that. Yes, but. Yes. Kind of along the same lines, I think what I find really interesting is that both of you have come to the realization that running is so much of a mental game just as much as it is a physical and that you both take time out of the week to do mindful practice and do meditation or yoga. How did you find that those things were like the game changer? And then how do you find time to do them in your busy lives now? Um, I would say that creating routine is like the biggest thing. So um, if you would so as you said, it's a practice, right? Like mindful, mindfulness practice. Um, meditation is just like running, right? It's a habit. So if you can go out and run for 60 minutes, if you can sit down, or I'll, I'll put it like this. How often do people foam roll, right? It's, it's uh, I Not do enough, it, but right. right. Yeah. So how often do you meditate? Hmm? Not enough. Um, meditation for some people do it does different things. For me, it's the at the beginning of my day, usually. Um, it's soon as I wake up because I know that that at that moment I have the quiet time to do it. I'm usually up at about five a.m. four thirty-five. My first client is like five thirty-six, depending because um, I coach as well. So meditation for me is the first thing I do. Um, after my prayer, it's either pray first or meditate. Um, Muslim, so we're supposed to pray five times a day. Um, I do about two to three, which is, I feel that's fair. Um, <laughs> um, that's an excuse, but yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's at the beginning of the day. And I'll, I'll say to most people, sitting still, unguided, is a very hard practice. To start, I would always advise using guided meditation and doing it for three minutes if you were looking to get into the practice. But find your quiet place. Like we all have a quiet, I, I call it the quiet place. We all have that place. Mm-hmm. Could be the bathroom, could be your room, could be the closet place at your office, but go to your quiet place and sit with yourself for a minute. And just, um, it's a method called the 100 breath method. It's just really counting your breath. And that's all you have to do. Um, and that's how I got started outside of using Headspace um, I just started with this 100 breath method of just counting my breaths and 
if you can get through, I say if you can get through the first five fingers with your eyes closed, that's pretty cool, you know, and you're not focused on anything but your breath. You're not focused on what you did. You're not thinking about eating or picking up your babies or your dog or how you ran. So, you know, the run was horrible or someone, your boyfriend made you upset, your girlfriend made you upset. It's you and your breath for 100 breaths. That's how I got started. Sam, how about you? I don't really have a, like a meditation, like a, like kind of preset right. meditation practice every day. It's more that I, I use the, the, the time that I'm running f- for that. Um, I noticed a really big difference. And so I, weirdly enough, like I, I started running with music for the first time this fall, which was cool, but, um, it really bore itself out in Berlin. Um, I found that like I did almost all of my long runs with music and I, I love that. But, um, what, what I found in the, when I was running Berlin <clears throat> was when I needed to really focus my energy and come back into myself and be present with my breath because I was having physical issues. Um, I realized that I, I couldn't just sink in and be present the same way because my, my build throughout my, my build, I had been more or less like just listening to music and not being that present with my, 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 my breath. And, um, I found, I think that that was probably one of the reasons why that race was really, it felt kind of dark for me, um, because I was dealing with that and only realizing it in the middle of the race. Right. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm ran New York and, and I have Philadelphia coming up and I haven't been, I've been using all of my training now for meditational purposes. So I would say like, I don't have a meditation practice, but I just run an hour and a half plus every day, which yeah. is all meditative, which, oh, yeah. um, I have a bit of a background in yoga, um, which has informed a lot of my beliefs about how breath and its relationship to the body um, are, are so powerful. Um, the yogis are always talking about how you can move, how, how you move through the body with the breath. And I think that that's just this, <clears throat> I think that we can all agree to that. Um, or, you know, we, we can kind of see the power of that. Um, and really like you're holding these poses and holding, um, doing things with your body that are, everything is unlocked. The, the body is unlocked by the breath in yoga. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I've always kind of had that as a, a backdrop for how it is that the breath unlocks my running as well. And um, I wish I had time for m- more of that. I wish I had time for, an, uh, you know, a, 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 a yoga practice every day, but... <clears throat> It's just not in the cards right now. Yeah. So put us in your shoes. Like in these, are they usually early morning or late night runs in Prospect Park for you? Or, and that's your go-to, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I train every morning in the park. Um, it's, I, I, for whatever reason, I was one of the poster child, poster children of the downtown, like rugged, 
like running through the streets and like <laughs> dodging right. cars and all yeah. this stuff. And I mean, that's how I was now you're photographed out in the woods. on. Huh? <laughs> now you're out in the woods. Huh? Yeah. Now <laughs> I'm in the trail, just, baby. Yeah. Hippie. <laughs> hippie out. I love it. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of the irony. Like, you know, I did some work with Satisfy and I did some work with Adidas and the runner's world thing. And <clears throat> it's always been like playing to this stereotype of like running in the like, for, like dodging rats and the shit. Concrete jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, like, it's not at all it's my so spirit. Weird. Or yeah, I'm just like, why do you want that? It's not. It's, it's gross. Oh my god. It's. You, you want me to jump? <laughs> no, literally. Like, so run around that garbage dumpster and like, you know, almost miss it. Almost like, miss almost. it. Step on that rat over there. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, I so I I I run every every morning in Prospect Park. You know, it's the closest, I mean, it's actually like, like real talk. It's really revolutionized my, my train. Like I love it so much. And like, I feel so at peace there for the most part. Um, what a gift, you know, for, for us living in, in the junkyard of New York city, um, to it's have really never that crowded prospect park. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's especially nice. if like, I mean, I try to, I try to get there at like seven or eight, you know, on a good day. Um, you know, usually I'm getting home by, you know, midnight or so. So, but when I'm lucky enough to get there at like five or six in the morning, man, that's how I feel about the bridal path. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh my God. It's, it's one of the most but even that it's a man-made park, right? Like right. that's how like starved we are for the natural <laughs> world. Right. It's like a man-made park, um, you know, paved mostly, yeah. but even still, Rolling it's like, hills. We, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they, they built the city around it, you know. Yeah. Think about, you know, before it was like Brooklyn, it was a farm. <laughs> and, yeah. then they, and then they built it up and said, oh, well, we forgot about making it green. I think one of the things about training in the park, though, getting back to the, the subject of the breath, is that in your training in, uh, in an urban environment, you are being interrupted by everything. Oh, and yeah. I, oh, yeah. like Lights, when I would cars, everything. Yeah. And like, I remember just never air quality, <laughs> air quality. Yeah. And I remember when I lived, I lived on orchard street, you know, I mean, it, it was really tough to just motivate to just like get out and run around in the, in the, in the streets. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just, just not pleasant. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're running around and you're irritated. Like that's the thing you yeah. don't want is yeah. to be irritated. Yeah. So at least like you on the bridal, you in Prospect Park, I'm less irritated by those places you, to run. You don't stop. You less can get into a rhythm. The air quality is better, um, and and you can really again you can you can sink into the breath. You uh. can you can really like go for an hour and a half and, you're and like, have yourself clear up. thoughts. That's the other thing, you know, sorry to cut you off, but like the shoes have been made for us to sustain now on this concrete environment, right? So like when we're running on dirt or soft surface, like we kind of save our body, but also it's a big change. I think for me, like in the morning, like you said, like I do a lot of training by myself outside of like when I come to session, but like running to Central Park and I'm like, all right, cool, like soon as I get on the bridal path, like my whole, like, like everything changes for me. Like, yeah, agreed. like I'm in a different place and that's kind of weird in a way to be like, Oh, I'm in New York city before 90 minutes. I'm running this loop in and out, up and down around like 
the metropolis. And then when I come back out, I'm like, oh shit, like <laughs> we're back to this. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's jarring. And I think mm-hmm. as runners, it well, at least for me, like I had like this big disdain for Central Park because I was like, oh my God, so many people. So oh, so many squares. Oh my God, <laughs> like you're tourists and what's going on. But when I realized like what the terrain was and like the training ground that the bridal path like offers you as a runner in New York City, oh my God. Like if you train on a bridal, yeah. you you'll definitely fun. you'll definitely have some, you know, if you put the work in out there, yeah, you're, I think, you're definitely gonna have some good runs. I think Malcolm Gladwell when we had him on the podcast, like put it very nicely and I hadn't thought about it. It's like on a winter day and it's getting colder now. It's you can be in the city of eight million people, but you head onto that reservoir path. <laughs> And oh it could God. just be you and three other people. And oh, that's yeah. It. I always, I, I mean, not only do I agree with that, but I, all, I have some of, the, like, some of the people that you do see, though, like in Prospect Park at, you know, seven or eight in the morning when it's January, like third week of January, and it's fucking cold as shit. Right. And, like, the... The, you know, there's no marathon the, they're training for. Really. There's no train. There's no race yeah, in sight. The, you know, what was it called? The bomb cyclone is yeah. like yeah. just kind of like rolling through the park, and it's 30 mile an hour winds. Uh, you know, and, and but the people that you do see, uh, there is like three or four people who, day in day out, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Oh yeah, what the weather? The regulars and and we see each other, and we we don't need to say anything. Yeah. We know, and then when. <laughs> When June rolls around Ugh. and all these strollers come out and the cyclists yelling at each other, I see those people still and we remember yeah. third week of January and we're just like, what's up? <laughs> right, right. We know. We know. We yeah. know. Yeah, it's, it's so beautifully said. Um, I think the two of you guys also are, are proving something that is, I think, a common theme and you know, we, Leanne and I have like teammates who vary in age. I mean, we could have kids who are fresh out of college and we have people who are, you know, running into their forties. And I think one of them, I think once said, it was like, she's just out there to prove that getting older doesn't mean getting slower. And you two guys are like pretty good examples of that. You two are both chasing PRs. Amon, before this, you were saying, like, you're a master's runner. And Sam, I guess you're getting up there, right? It's 30... 38, yeah. 38. Nice, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is there's no secrets. With a New York Roadrunner's profile, yeah. right, that's right. how you find yeah, out it's, people's it's ages. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you guys think about that? I mean, just the fact that you guys are finding the best versions of yourselves in running at older ages. It's... um When you're younger, you hear older people say, like, oh, well, you know you just don't know what you have right now and you and you kind of don't but i think in endurance sports especially the marathon in particular um it's something special about the distance that allows you to um as you get older i think you're a little bit wiser mm-hmm. like a little more a little bit wiser um but then i'm still a little foolhardy in some ways but the ability to push yourself and know that you can is the key. So like when you see um, some of the um, older ladies or masters, you know, women masters, and they say like, oh, well, these ladies shouldn't be running because they're 46, but they're winning races. And you're like, yeah, she's a mom. She just fed her kids. Then she went out and ran for 90 minutes at 6.30. 
pace and came back and got them ready for bed. It's something to be said about maturity and age in this sport because you have to endure. So I think for me being older in this sport just lets me know like, okay, well, there's still room. Like, you know, in my age group is kind of tough. You got like Bernard Lagat. <laughs> so, so he has every record from the like 5K to the marathon. So, you know, when you, if you're chasing something like, I want to get a world record, you know, for in the master's category, depending on what race you're talking about, it's very achievable. You know, there's still competition. Um, four years, like three, yeah, three years ago, I was, I was working at Jack Rabbit, and a guy came in from Kentucky, and he was just saying like, man, you know, I got to qualify for Boston. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you're going to get it. And he goes, he goes, I thought, you know, when I got 50, when I turned 50, it would be easier, you know? He goes, but man, old dudes are running fast as hell these days. <laughs> and it just goes to show that age, we have this age construct, like you're old, you're slow, you're old, you can't do what a young person can do. But I think we have to look at what age is now. You know, people are living to like 95, 100 years old. So if the average age right now is to say you died 85 and I'm 40, I got like 60 more years of like awesomeness. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Before I'm like an old, old dude and I can't do much. But that also relates to you being physically fit. And that's one of the key things in my, when I first started this was people being active. You have to be active first. Once you're active, then you can say I want to run a race or, but it's about having an active lifestyle. So for me, running is that key thing. Um, after the accident, you know, you get all these MRIs and all these x-rays, and I found out, like, I have arthritis in my hip. So the doctor's like, okay, well, you really can't race too much longer, but you still got some time. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I just adjusted that. I got, I say, you know, give myself five more years, put this number where I want to get it, get the number, and then I can run for fun. But um, to go back, like, I'd say that age is a number, and it's really a mind state. Like, I... My number age is 40, but I'm probably 18 inside my head. <laughs> for real. Yeah, I mean, I've been running for five years, so I'm a child. Yeah. Right. A sponge. You're taking all yeah. this in. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was 24, I was never in worse shape <laughs> in a lot of ways. And True. I find it ironic, this discussion about getting getting older and and seeing you know a decline when for i mean for me it's been sort of the opposite yeah benjamin button dealing with a <laughs> <laughs> dealing with dealing with the self and 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 um just like it's open it's opened me up physically um i also think that i'm not i'm not trying to like crush 5k's right now i mean i probably i i'm certain that like my 5k I could probably take my 5k PR down like right now if I wanted to but I think the thing about the I think the unique thing about the marathon length is that it's it's like it's a harmony of mm -hmm. of both the physical and the mental and 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 that like finding that that relationship is something that I think really does take a, a more mature perspective in life and um 
I think it's fortunate for, for those of us who are kind of like giving a lot of our time to it that it kind of like is one of those rare activities that the older you get, you just might be getting better at it. Like, I mean, I had no, there's very few things that, very few. Yeah. I had no, I mean, this spring I was, I was injured for the very first time for the first time in five years. And it was like, I mean, a relatively minor injury, but coming out of that, I was pretty, pretty dark about it. And, um, um, I think what I found out was that running had been teaching me, all along how to deal with not having running, which was a real kind of eye opener for me. And, um, only something that like just that kind of epiphany was something that I I don't think I could have really gotten Mm -hmm. four years ago, you know, even, but like kind of living with this every day, it kind of like presented itself and, um, I think that um, I had no, I mean, I had no plans to run three marathons this fall, (laughs) which is not, not something that like a lot of, like I I wouldn't, I didn't see that in like the trajectory of like getting older. Right. (laughs) Right. Like this wasn't part of the plan. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like I wasn't like, okay, like I'm going to really, you know, but like, because this, it's just like so organically part of like my life now, it just seems like a natural. It seems it seemed like a natural progression f- for for where I'm at right now. So I don't really I don't really think about it in terms of aging or. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of. I mean, I feel a little creakier, <laughs> but like not really. Yeah. Yeah. So let's touch on I guess what you guys have coming up next. You've got Philly coming up, and that's just next week. How are you feeling? Um, a week from Saturday. no, two weeks from yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, yeah. yeah. So twenty fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, Berlin was a good race for me. I had some cramping at the end, which kind of slowed me down a little bit. But um, still trying to unlock that one because cramping is it's the thing. Like it's probably taken. It's probably added three to four minutes to every marathon I've ran. Yeah, and it happens almost, like every time I like fully am racing, I, I have cramped almost every time, but that's uh, its own thing. Um, and then New York was last week, and then yeah, I'm, Philadelphia. I'm shooting for like two. Like this will be a proper four month build because Berlin I ran on a two and a half month build, hmm. wow. and um, I'm not running Philadelphia though because I like am desperate for a time like I do want that but I just I want both the time that I am capable of but I also want the joy that we had on last Uh Sunday right and Berlin for me was just I was just you're locked it was it was it was it was locked in but it was it was it was there was a coldness to it I don't know else to put it I just wasn't there. I heard that a lot, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, but I've heard that about that race. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just in general, like, like from last year, it's just like that yeah. race is like one of those places where you're like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's done. Could be the it, you, have, you have blinders on, like, yeah. yeah, it's it's a really strange so much feeling else going on. Yeah. You could drop me on that course, or you could drop me in any street in Berlin, and I would be like. Was this part of the marathon course? Like, I don't remember right. any of it. There is a monolithic quality <laughs> to, okay. like, how, how everything... Dry. Yeah, it's just, like, everything feels the same. Um, 
so I, like I've never ran the course in Philadelphia and it will be what it could be it could be a great race it could also be like I could get like 15 miles in and be like my body's done you know but I had a good long run yesterday and or two days ago so every signs are the tea leaves are are are, are <laughs> saying that it should go well so I'm excited about it looking solid and then after that probably Boston in the spring but it's a ways away yeah Amon you you're taking a a big jump. Oh yeah, yeah. We going into the deep water. Um, <laughs> so my next race is opted out of like Boston for next year. I'm gonna go back 2020. I mean 21. Um, six day race at the at the first quarter, top of the top of the year. It's in April. It's one of the Sri Chamoy um, races. Much love to Sanjay and all the good folks over at Sri Chamoy Marathon team. Thank you for your support. Um, so this is just my practice into the 3100 race. So that's the one that there was a the documentary it takes like 50 plus days. Yeah, so it's um 3100 mile 3100 miles around a block in Queens, it's, Jamaica, right? Yeah, it's like 50 50 days, 51 days. <laughs> um so this 6 day race is my practice run into me getting ready to do that race probably next year. But um, so prior, so the first sport in America um, that people really went to watch was called pedestrianism. Um, so people walking, so six day races in the 1800s were like the thing. Like it was like the most awesome event you could see at Madison Square Garden. So me doing my research into marathoning and ultra marathoning and what got me into running was that fact. I was like, okay, so what was like one of the first sports that black people in America could do with white people? This sport, pedestrianism, aka ultra marathoning. Now, um, and there were various um, African-Americans or black people, I don't really like African-American, black people at that time that were really great at it. So this one dude named was Frank Hart. They called him Black Dan. And April 10th, 1880, he won this thing called the O'Leary Belt, which was like the belt. They gave, you got a belt when you won this race. And it kind of like went around. So it was, they had him in England and in America. So he won with 565 miles. Um, the world record is 639 by Yanis Koros. My goal is to be somewhere in between. Wow. Wow. Um, so with that being said, it's just a lot of running. Um, <laughs> and I just... I love running, and I love the trend, um, transcendental part of running. So how far can we push ourselves, right? It's running. I feel like if you run a 2.30 marathon, you're exhausted, and your brain is spent. If you run for six days, it's the same thing. Yeah. You're just doing it in a longer amount of time, right? So that's what this is about. This is about um, the history of it, um, history of the sport, but then also me putting myself in a position of vulnerability. Marathon's cool. Like, I know what it is. It's 20. Like, I, <laughs> I went and ran one on a Sunday. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. Um, and, and I tell people, like, that's not a, 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 that's not a brag. That's just, like, fitness and me being kind of stubborn. 
and saying like, you know, like I have to do this thing. It's a New York City Marathon. Like I told Knox, um, for people that know him, he is the founder of Black Roses. I told him, I said, if they had the wheelchair division and I could have gotten it, that's what have happened. I would have been like in a regular wheelchair, <laughs> like <laughs> at the start, like, hey, somebody push. We gonna get this thing going. They I said, I, they, been they, they said I can do it. Thank God you didn't yeah, get yeah, in the exactly, wheelchair exactly, race. Exactly, exactly, because it was gonna go down by, <laughs> by any means necessary. But um, yeah, so six day race. Then after that, if my legs are still attached to my body, um, we're going to jump in the Brooklyn Half Marathon, take some time off, and then look for a nice fall. Um, maybe I'll do Sri Chamoy again because I love that race. I will tell anybody who's wanting to Boston qualify, you should run that race. It's in August on a Friday or Thursday. It's very hippie-like, but it's an awesome plain, smooth, cool course, and you can definitely get a nice, easy BQ there. Um, and then New York City again. It's the, 20, it's the 50th you know, anniversary of the marathon, so I feel like you, you just got to be there. You got to do that. So, so yeah. part of me is just kind of like questioning why not just you're going straight to six days. Why not go for 100 miles? And before we started recording, I mean, I, I expressed to you and we, brought, we were talking about it how people talk about in an ultra marathon sense 100 miles is life in a day you're going for six lives <laughs> yeah um i'm pretty extreme and i feel like there's no 100 day race no like there's no 100 mile race prior to this they're all after so i've always been a big fan of just kind of jumping in and seeing what you can do so even at most you know Let's just say if I ran 300 miles in a week, how many people can say they did it? Like, the most I've run in a week so far is 100. That's the other reason why I was like, all right, well, I ran 100 miles in a week, and I really wasn't that beat up at the end of it. Although it was a week, let's see what we can do. Like, let's see if we can push it. So um, I don't advise anybody to do this. It's definitely not a wise thing, but it's more about an endurance thing and a spiritual experience that... I can put myself in in a safe environment and know that I have people there to kind of help me through it. So it's it's really I'm really excited to see what happens. I think right. that's the biggest thing. Like with a marathon, you can train for it and you go, okay, yeah, I'm gonna run this time because I ran a 30k and I know if I got the 30k at two hours, I know I got another X amount of time. So like we're super mathematical about it. But with a six day race, you cannot you can only do math for the first day. You know, you're like, okay, what happens now? So for me, um, I have a tentative plan, but um, as we spoke about before we started the podcast, um, I'm actually training on the world records training plan, <laughs> so which is kind of awesome. And it's just really about um, moderation. Um, this is not a speed event, although if you wanted to make it when you could, this is really about enduring. This is in every sense of the word, um, endurance. So I ran a couple of loops with the world record holder Ashbahano of the 3100 race, mm -hmm. and he's kind of like my silent um, coach and mentor. And he basically told me, he said, "Well, before you run the race, you have to go run for 24 hours." He goes somewhere. <laughs> he goes, but find a track and run for 24 hours. <laughs> Sam shaking his head. And and <laughs> and then. If that goes okay, you can do the, the rest. 
So I said, all right, cool. He goes, but first, he goes, but first 24 hours. He goes, find the track. But what's running, though, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. like well, well, can we qualify that? Well, and, and, that's, <laughs> and that's where it kind of gets into this thing where it's like, well, are you running the whole time? Are you walking? And that's the beauty of this sport is that it's not necessarily running the entire time. It's pedestrian. Is it, yeah. But yeah. my goal is to run the entire time. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not planning to walk much, even if I get to, like, you know, a 13, 14 minute shuffle. If I'm walking, walking is when I'm eating. That's the plan. <laughs> because you have to you have to eat. The amount of calories you have to consume is ridiculous to sustain throughout the race. So it's a, a bigger learning about nutrition, um, pushing the volume, because um, marathoning, at least the way I coach, I coach in a volume-based method. So it kind of gets people used to like having heavy legs, but being able to like, run on heavy legs as well so for me it's just really pushing myself kind of like practice what you preach type of thing yeah you know so it's not only just exploring the limits but from from you know you're still a ways away from attempting it what are you expecting to learn about yourself honestly um i really have zero expectation at this point i just kind of want to grow in the process because I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. My longest distance race has been a 50K. Um, my longest run ever has been about 40 miles, like on, in one shot. So this is going to be like a really, really big learning experience for me. But I'm hoping to um, learn more about my vulnerability because I'm really guarded. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm black man in America, so I kind of keep a certain shell on me most of the days. So I'm excited to see me kind of shed a couple of things and see like where where that where that leads me spiritually, you know, and um, physically and mentally. Um, all right, so we'll move into the final questions that we ask all our guests. All right, all right. <laughs> so for this starters, sounds good. All right, uh, Sam, we'll start with you, and then we'll get to. Amon over here. What's your ideal day in New York City look like? Wow. Ideal wait, wait, day wait, wait, would wait, not wait. be in New what, York City. What season? What season? What Whatever season you want. want. Okay, okay. The perfect one. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's the tough. Idea, the ideal day in New York City would be getting on a train and getting the hell out of New York City. <laughs> True New Yorker. That is a good yeah, New Yorker. for real. No, um... No, but actually, to be real, um, I, I love leaving the city and being, um, you know, going upstate and hiking or going up to like Mohonk Preserve and, and being in the Shawangunk Mountain Range up there. Like it's a pretty easy like commute up and back, I would say, like getting up early and getting getting some training done in the park and then going upstate for an afternoon hike and then coming back and maybe having lunch in the in the park with my gal and maybe drinking some wine on the lake and then coming back and going to visit my brother at his restaurant. That's, that's 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 like, yeah, that's my speed. I like it as much, as much of it as, as outdoors as possible. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm sure we probably all on the same page on that, but I don't like being in, I don't like being in the city. I don't like being around buildings and I find them, Impressive. <laughs> is that just like the the California in you, or the the Nebraska in you? Um, 
Yeah, it's probably the California in me. I spent I spent a lot of time um, doing. I, I used to rock climb and do a lot of mountaineering when I was younger. Before, you know, like when I was like eighteen or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so spending a lot of time in the in the Sierra Nevada mountain range was, you know, that's that's that was a very formative mm-hmm. formative time for me. So I think I'm always trying to reconnect with that. I'm on your ideal day. Oh, man. Sam took mine. But, um, <laughs> no, like an ideal city day, I would say. Um, I'd, pick a sum- I'd pick the summer. But, like, it would be me waking up, having a nice smooth run, Central Park, going to some rooftop thing in the evening, drinking um, Frosés because that was my summer drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking Frosé all summer. Um, but with really good wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it can't be if it's Frosé. <laughs> you just wouldn't tell me about it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, like truthfully, um, getting away. Honestly, I would say kind of similar to what Sam said, but a perfect New York day would be me running up to the George Washington Bridge, crossing the bridge, running over to the Palisades, yeah. which is like the most top secret part so of like good. of like living in this city mm-hmm. that you can run to New Jersey and then be in a whole nother world and look at New York. And I think for me, the perfect day, because I've done it before, is like run over to the Palisades, run about 12 miles out to like like six, seven miles out to Alpine, go to the little lookout point, sit down, light my little Palo Santo, eat some snacks, <laughs> smoke a J, and then run back. <laughs> like, that's like my perfect sit, like New York City day. Like, you know. Hit the biofreeze station <laughs> on the way back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Oh, that was that was so amazing. So mile 20, so like we get, I'm, I'm like, yo, Sam, yo, I'm cramping, man. I need this biofreeze. So so I've never raced a marathon to split shit. I don't even know what biofreeze is. Oh, it's the most awesome shit. So like never raced a marathon or a race, matter of fact, in split shorts. So like I get to the lady, I just pull my shorts up. I'm like, hit me. And she's like, she just, I'm like front and back, front and back. She has like two cans in each hand, like spraying, you know, both sides of my legs. I smell like an old man dipped in Bengay. And then I see this lady with a stick and I'm like, I need that, ma'am. She was like, no, I can do it for you. I said, no, you can't. No. I got this. And then like, I just like commenced to like rubbing the shit out of my legs. And Sam was just looking at me like. Like, Eddie, for you? No, no. And he's like, okay, okay all right, all right. You, you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good now, I'm good now. And then we get like five blocks. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not good. I'm not good at all. Actually, I was joking. I'm not good. I'm super crampy right now and I need water. I'm <laughs> like it was it was a funny thing, but um my, my perfect day would be that. Run to the Palisades, light some Palo Santo, eat some snacks, smoke a J, run back, and then like kick it, you know? That's my New York day. I like that. Yeah. Um you already told us really, but what's your favorite place to run in New York? It's gonna be your Prospect Park, right, Sam? I mean, I would I would say like on the daily, yeah. Um I would say the um, Mohawk Preserve would be a would I mean if I if I could have that every day I, yeah. I would absolutely have the Mohawk Preserve. That's that's one of the best places to train that oh, I know the switchbacks. of. Switchbacks, the switchbacks, the the bridle paths. Man, yeah. there are some beastly hills. Yeah. It's super beautiful. You have you have the lake up there too. I mean, that's I would say Mohawk Preserve. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, my daily my daily grind is the bridle. That's mm-hmm. like my daily jam. But I'd have to say, like, a really, really nice run is from Dykeman, 
Right? Yes. Like run from Dykeman down the west side. Yes. All the way down to like Brooklyn Bridge Park. Okay. Like that is a suave, that's a suave run. Because you kind of get to see the city in a way that you really don't see it, you know? So a lot of, when, if, you, if you run over there, the east side is different from the west side in a lot of ways. So the west side running path is beautiful. And when you run from Dykeman, because it's, it's like the top, basically it's the top. When you run from the top all the way down to the bottom, you really get to see the progression of the city, you know. And you also get to see a lot of people running, which tends to motivate you sometimes, at least for me, you know. The traffic, especially if you can get out early. Like, if you can get out early and get to the west side, oh, my God, it's beautiful. Yo, how about that? How about that? Um that run we did though from to the um, beach to the beach from uh, uh, from Prospect Park to the amazing. beach that was beautiful. It was, it was amazing. So that that route that I mean usually running from Brooklyn to well, we went the we went a different way. Which, yeah, which, we went down we Bedford take? Avenue. Bedford, yeah, yeah. And to that, yeah, yeah. Oh my Amon god, and I and a couple uh, of other of the roses this Trenton. morning. Or yeah, it was Ricardo and Trenton. Ricardo, yeah, yeah. We did um we did Prospect Park. We did a loop of Prospect Park, and then we went ran to um. Rockaway to Rockaway, hmm. but a lot of times people go for whatever reason they go down um, Flatbush, Flatbush, and uh, what's what's the ocean? Yeah, no, that'd be a Coney Island, right? I guess it would just be running down Flatbush. Flatbush. Yeah, way, yeah, straight, just, yeah, straight down Flatbush. I have no idea why you would do that because if you take Bedford, it's actually like scenic, super quiet. pretty. Oh my you go, God. you run, you're, you get to the end of Bedford, and it's just right along the water the whole way. I mean. It's, that was that was a, that was, that a, was a beautiful that was a run route, too. Yeah. Well, that's got to be a summer run for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a good one. That was a highlight of the year actually. Oh yeah, but if you want a nice winter jam in New York City, um, definitely running the East Side is awesome in the winter. Like for me, I like the I like it's less wind. I feel like because <laughs> on the West Side it's pretty breezy, but um, I like the East Side in the winter. Let's talk pizza for a second. You guys, pizza guys. <sighs> Man, favorite slice? Oh God! I'm not where? A pizza guy. Where? Where? Sorry. Where? <laughs> where? Not a pizza where? Guy. So I mean, like, it depends. Like, I'm I'm a pizza guy when I can eat it. You know, like it's off season food. So I'd have to say New York City has the best pizza in the universe. Of course, mm-hmm. um, that goes without saying. Yeah. I don't want to offend anybody from Chicago, but that pizza sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a casserole. That's exactly or, right. Or like. You eat it with a fork and knife. That's not pizza. So I would have to go with a classic and say that Patsy's Uptown is like one of my favorite. Brick oven, thin slice, but then if you're down around these parts, Scars is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I agree 100% with that. I'm going to I'm gonna just say that if I am eating pizza, I'm definitely going to be eating like a, a, a wild fermented Super. A wild yeast fermented pizza dough because that's the only thing that really matters to me. I'm not really mm-hmm. about the toppings, I guess. It's kind of like secondary to the dough. Where so, would you get that? Um, I would probably say Lucali or um, Una Pizza Napolitana. Sam's pizza has to pair very well with mine. <laughs> if you haven't if, figured that out yet, well, well that's the thing too. Where's the? What's your favorite slice of pizza? Well, where's the wine list? The best? <laughs> yeah. I would say exactly. Roberta's is a good example as well. Okay. Of, of yeah, so I'd say I'd say Roberta's. Lucali's great because it's BYOB. 
I had um, I went to Intermezzo. They had pizza and a slice for like six bucks. Probably wasn't the best wine, but the pizza <laughs> was pretty okay. That's, that's you know. Did the wine come out of like a fountain? No, no, no. no? It was in a box. In a box. Okay. <laughs> 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 it was in a box. Hey man, there there are good box lines out there these days. Don't give up that list. Don't give that up. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite movie based in New York City? John Wick. Really? Hell yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's based in New York, but that one part where he's in Central Park <laughs> and all those dudes were like going to kill him. Like, But I mean, so, hmm. Well, that's one of them, but my favorite movie based in New York, New Jack City. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah. You got it. That's a classic, New Jack City. Uptown, filmed in Harlem. Sam, thinking long and hard about this one. Give me a second. Next question. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, I mean, kind of like the next question is the final question. It's just like what final words of wisdom, I guess, like do you have to share with, like, because the running community in New York City is just like a lot of people can say that it's blown up into all this, this whole crew scene. But when you really simplify, what's it all about to you? It's a big bowl of unity, man. Like when I really look at it, you know, I was telling someone this if it, were, if it weren't for running, I wouldn't know half these people that I know. You know, I got hit by a car and people, a friend of mine created a GoFundMe page for me and people donated money and that helped, you know, pay certain expenses while I couldn't work. Um, crews aside, man, like, I feel like, I feel like when you're in a running crew, group, club, that's just kind of who you identify with and who you want to be around when you're training, you know, because it's a certain energy with that. But the community as a whole, man, it's like it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see people come from all walks of life and not know each other before this. In most cases, like there might be very isolated incidences where you know someone prior to running. But a lot of us have become friends in this running thing. Like I didn't know Sam. I ain't know shit about Sam till I got in Black Roses or who Sam was, and he didn't know about me. But now we have this interest in each other, and we speak with each other, and sitting here just kind of makes me realize, like, damn, like, me and Sam been kicking it on the low for a very long time. So it was only right that we ran the marathon together that day. You know, it was kind of like it just pulled itself together unbeknownst to us even having small conversations hit and miss, like we ran together over the summer. You know, and then marathon, like we went upstate, he was coming off injury. I got injured, <laughs> you know, Boston. So like it, like this community, man, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing when you take these names, these Black Roses and Lost Boys or Dashing Whippets, when you strip all of that down and put everybody together and you see them on that street on that day, on that November 3rd or 4th or 5th on that marathon day, it removes all of that. That energy and that effort removes all of that crew stuff, and it's us supporting each other that day. And I, I think that's, for me, that's the beauty in the run community, that crews aside, we, we all have a common interest in this sport, and that's what brought us all together, like the marathon, you know, not the 10K or the half marathon. Like, we came together because of this marathon. And then we're out there because of the half and the 10K. Mm -hmm. But, like, that marathon moment kind of brings us all together and we have our stations. Oh, I'm at mile nine with this. I'm at that mile. But 
you're cheering for everyone as they come through those miles. And you get to see Adidas runners. You get to see the Mile High Run Club. You get to see Harlem Run. You get to see Lost Boys. You get to see these people and say, hey, this is where we're at for our people, but we see you too. And go ahead. we Go ahead. You got that. So it's the community, man. And I feel like the crews just bring us together. It, that just makes us have a, our own little thing. But if it was no name, it would still be the same, you know? Sam, what's it mean to you? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like again, like I'm like a shadowy member of a crew, um, and I, I I I tend to like engage it when I when I feel like I need it or I have something to like offer. Um, it's not a reason that I run at all. Um, I feel like I still don't understand the crew thing that much, to be quite honest. <laughs> because humans <laughs> like, need groups. Humans, huh? humans have to have groups. We need social groups. Yeah, I mean, I think we do. I think some of us want it more than others, and I think our, our, our um, motivations are always kind of in flux for everyone. True. Um, I definitely feel like sometimes I see as more of a crew outsider, um, I, I see that like there's all this, it's like, it's a very, can be a very catty thing, right? Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of shit talking, <laughs> there's a lot of like- Politics. Politics and I mean, I just, anytime that's like kind of bubbling up to the surface, I think it can be like a, a bit much and maybe a bit um, kind of losing sight of like the real kind of of heart of what this is all about but I also feel as though um, maybe I'm just that's just kind of like why I do what I do and why I kind of stick kind of in my own lane in a lot of ways um, but I also like I feel like when when I do step into it and when I am kind of like intersecting with you know, some of my best friends are all like, this is how we have all met one another. And so there's deep value to it. <clears throat> um, but I just kind of like to ro ro roll in my own lane for, for the most part. And then like when, when like there's, when I feel like I have something to give that I can like spill over and then I'm like, then I'm there, you know, totally, totally. But also like, um, I'm responsible for like I know I know my limitations as a team member it seems like I'm I'm like I'm aware of it but I and I try to make up for it um but it's awesome though I mean I, f I feel like it's funny like when we talk like you know teams everybody has their like team stuff so it's it's beautiful when Sam comes around <laughs> and and the reason why is it's because we all every crew has their kind of like thing you know so we're all busy we all work we all do these different jobs so like we all go to sam because we're like sam knows wine <laughs> right so it's like when sam comes around it's like yo like everyone everybody's like sam so what should we be drinking right now and what's what's going on with this stuff but if you get to if you get to be with sam and and vibe with him and get to understand him as a person you get to see like the beauty in how he relates to energy, right? And 
his why he says like giving like I feel like I can give something now because everybody's like you know who's on fuel detail or who who's doing this who's doing yeah, that yeah. and Sam will just go you know what some bomb ass Martin right here <laughs> try that out and everybody's like oh what the who Sam that shit Turned was Martin the, into uh, that shit was the bomb son <laughs> And then, you know, you get the Morton people like, you know, well, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you know, that, so like he adds such an amazing chemistry because he's not around. And like, so the saying like absence makes the heart grows fonder, <laughs> right? It's like sometimes you can have a lot of something and really enjoy it but then sometimes when you have a little bit of it you really really enjoy it and i think that's sam's involvement in what we do as a group it's like everybody like i'm around like people see me so i can be a lot (laughs) i know it i'm a lot for me sometimes so to pull myself back like oh i'm injured i can't give as much let me pull myself back and kind of get into myself and get myself healed up and then I can give that back Sam is kind of like yo you know what I'm going to keep doing my thing and then when it's time to kind of give my thing I give it and I think that's beautiful for real and I appreciate it too like you know I, like I told you before man um, the mar- this marathon is probably like hands down like my favorite like because I've never run a marathon with anyone I've never like I tried to like literally like yo like leave (laughs) (laughs) like when I was like yo dude go I was like go like go run your race bro and he's like no and I'm like fuck you talking about no I'm I'm just as stubborn as you are (laughs) I'm like what do you mean no and he's like no no I'm gonna run with you the whole time I'm like well I'm gonna stop and like he's like all right cool I was like are you like for real he's like yeah so anytime like you know anytime I pulled over to stop because I'm dehydrated from mile 14 to the end. He's like, yo, you good, bro? All right, cool. Let's get this. You good? So, like, telling me, hey, you know, fuel stops coming up next. This It was just an amazing experience, man, and I really appreciate you being there, man. Yeah, it was. Like, you know, like you said, like, I didn't need a pacer. Like, <laughs> No, no, no. Because people were like, oh, we saw you pacing that guy, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, uh, no, I don't think so. Like, we were running together. I wasn't pacing him. If anything, he paced me. <laughs> but, you know, so I look at the numbers and I'm like, oh, man, the second I was like six something, we were like rolling. And I was like, yeah, this is a little fast, Sam. <laughs> I feel good, though, but like, I don't know if we could do this the entire way. <laughs> I think, like, just, I think the biggest lesson I've learned from running is is what I learned this spring with with getting injured and learning that this, you know, this thing, this, this activity that's become so much a part of my, my friendships, my, you know, relationship right. with other people, the, you know, the, the spiritual practice I have. One of my biggest fears as a result has been not being able to oh not, not God. having that. And what I learned this spring really was that I think I touched on this very briefly, but that running has actually been preparing me to not have it someday. And I think that's the most profound lesson I've been learning along the way is that it's at some point it's, it's not going to be there anymore. And so how is it changing me along the way? And I think that's really kind of like where we start getting into like the transcendence Mm -hmm. and, and what, 
like outside, like the crew thing. That's why I say like, I don't even, I don't give a fuck about the crews, honestly. Like, I don't even know who's who. I don't know who's what. Like, it doesn't, doesn't I just, it's just so like low in the mix for me as to like why we're doing this and like what the big picture is. Oh yeah. And I think I wish people gave more attention to like what's going on inside and how they're, how, how their geometry, their spiritual geometry is changing as a result of this. Yeah. What, if like what the so running's doing in, to you. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're so locked into like being catty and like being crew driven and like brand this brand that, like I, I just, you're your missing time. the whole point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And like, I think being locked in on, on performance too, like, Oh, it's mentally I mean, draining. I, I'm, I'm sure like I'm going to get to 246 someday and, and it may be in a week it may, or in a week and a half. It may not be, but like, I want not just that, but I want like what I want to know. I want to change with that and, and be like, I can see already how running's changed me from being an, an utter degenerate to where I'm at now and, and where do I want to go from here? You know? Right. <clears throat> I enjoy this so much and I'm sure like the listeners, Leanne also like enjoy this and, I'm just going to ask, like, if you guys do New York City Marathon next year, are you guys taking, like, volunteers to run with you guys? Because, like, you got it sounded like the best experience, and I feel like <laughs> we're going to have a bunch of listeners asking, like, how can we run with these two guys? Um, <laughs> I'd have to say at this present moment, um, all goes well, we racing. I would, uh, yeah. Yeah. All goes well, you know. For the 50th, you got to kind of drop that number on them. 100%. So um, I, I think we're racing for, 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 for 2020. Um, that would be the goal. Yeah. As they say in Islam, inshallah, which means if God wills, um, we're going to be racing. You know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Guys, thank you so much for, yeah, for thank Thanks you. for having thank, us, man. Thank like, you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. A big shout out and thanks to Sam and Ahmad for taking the time to host us and for that conversation. We hope you guys really enjoyed it. A big shout out to our sponsor, Ragnar, for backing the show. Check them out and use promo code RUNNYC for $100 off their races in 2020. A reminder, you can also support us on Patreon. And if you're wondering, what's Patreon? Well, it's a crowdfunding platform that allows listeners like you to support our work with monthly contributions in exchange for premium content. With your help, we'll be able to improve our equipment setup, possibly hire a producer to assist with the editing and we're going to organize more live events we've got one coming up pretty soon we're still finalizing the details but uh it might it might involve an open bar which would be really cool um in return we'll do our best to put together exclusive episodes interviews and maybe some video actually because of the support from our listeners we're able to get a video camera so we might start incorporating some components uh to youtube and to uh patreon so whether it's $1 a month or $10 a month, we'd love for you guys to su support the show. The New York City running community is awesome, and we appreciate all the assistance. So Leanne and I also love it every time that you post this on your Instagram story. So just one more time, uh, continue to do that, and we will repost it on our profile. And you can also consider leaving a nice review on our Apple Podcast page. You can do it while listening on your iPhone. N new reviews allow for new people to discover the show. Um, and also, if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast or have any suggestions for guests, reach out to me at chris at com. 
so that does it for this episode. I'm your host, Chris Chavez. And on behalf of my co-host, Leanne Sherrick, we will see you guys again soon.